Hello and welcome to another episode of Sherborne Voices podcast. This is our 10th episode. Very exciting. I feel I may have to celebrate in some way. My name's Sue Hill. I'm your host for the podcast episode today. And we've got an interview with Sherborne Mayor Anne Hall about the Dorset Volunteer Ambassador scheme that has been introduced We have a couple of what's-ons and other notifications. Then we finish up with a substantial interview about Feldenkrais, the Feldenkrais method, which I mentioned last week, and you will find out all about it in today's interview with Sheila O'Neill. So it's a packed show, and much longer than all the others have been thus far, but the joy of a podcast is that you can stop it and pick it up again later on when you've got more time. Let's get started straight away. I caught up with our Mayor, Anne Hall, last week to have a chat about the new scheme that's been brought in by Dorset Council called Volunteer Ambassadors to help provide information for visitors to the town. Hello, Anne. Thanks for joining me on Showborn Voices podcast today. I understand you've just finished a shift as a Dorset ambassador. So tell me how it was and what you what you did. Good afternoon, Sue. Nice to speak to you. This afternoon, I have been in Sherborne walking around town with visitor leaflets for tourists and even locals who are newish to the area. I spoke to them about different things within Sherborne, handed a leaflet over what to see in Sherborne as they're relatively new and talked about our open picnic in the park on Sunday the 25th of July open to all the residents of Sherborne and local area and the band will be playing in the bandstand it's just going to be a lovely social occasion and the weather's going to be good I also spoke to them about our other garden, which they didn't know about, which was the paddock garden up in off of Newlands. Totally different garden to pageant, but it's certainly worth a visit. Once people realise that the Tourist Information Centre is shut, this is where we're Dorset Council thought it was best to put some funding which came from government to help the town reopen. Gives a real positive vibe for the town and it looks like it's flourishing, which is really good. Well, that's sounding positive, yes. I I wonder how, I mean, apart from you wearing your chains, how people recognised the ambassadors. Is there, for instance, a notice up in what was the tourist information office with maybe a picture of of the ambassadors so that they can be easily recognised? We actually have been provided with a kit, which is a blue polo shirt with a logo on the back of it saying Dorset Volunteer Ambassador. We also have a Volunteer Centre Dorset logo on the front of it. Plus, they give you an orange cap with the same logo and we have an orange backpack and we also have a name tag. So we are recognisable going up and down the street. Cheap Street is one route and we have another route round down by Digby Road, by the train station and up South Street back into the towns to try and catch people coming from the car park. 
Yes, I've got a couple of thoughts about that. My my first is to say that, like a lot of people, we're very sorry about the passing of the Tourist Information Centre. And certainly, as you mentioned in, in your first comment, that, that people who are new to the area as well as visitors, found it useful. Certainly when I first moved here, I I was in there all the time finding information. Secondly, my concern is that visitors, of course, won't know from a distance that people wearing blue and orange are going to be helping visitors. And they might think that you're going to be asking for money or signing a petition or something. That's why I was thinking, given that we've got the signs to the Tourist Information Centre still up all over the town, that people might go there and if there was something to tell visitors what to look out for to get where they can get information from, that might be helpful to the visitors and indeed to the ambassadors. Yes, losing the Tourist Information Centre is a blow, but it's understandable the funding wasn't there to keep it running. If it had made money, obviously it would have been kept going. West Dorset were the only ones in Dorset which had paid for staff to actually man their uh, TICs. And the funding is no longer available. So unfortunately, it officially went, I think it was the middle of April. This ambassador is actually linked to more the fact of reopening of the town centres after COVID, but it is a great way of actually welcoming tourists to the town. I have actually fly posted the old tourist information centre on the outside and I I see some of my leaflets have been taken away because people want them. So I'll be redoing that. Being Mayor, I thought, well, this is one way of helping the tourist trade, the businesses and give back to the town to do part of, be part of the volunteer group. We have actually got seven people signed up, but only four people booking sessions at the moment. I think if you have that personality, your outgoing personality and you can talk to people, you can suss out who's a visitor or just talk to people. And I've not had any negativity from it at all. And we've got to make the best of what we've been given and be positive about it and be welcoming to people. People are appreciative of what we are trying to do and that it's better not complaining about the fact that the Tourist Information Centre is gone and not doing anything about it. So just being positive and doing something and next year it may be slightly different. I've had email this morning that they may be looking at having a, a sort of centralised spot that may be in the form of a bike, stationary bike to have leaflets on. There's a lot of things going on and even the town council are trying to work with other people in town to try and get somewhere for tourists to go. It's town council have been left to have to take down all the tourist information centre signs. All the new wayfinding signs will have to be revamped. Um, Some of them may have to go away and to have the information taken off of them. I understand completely, I'm sure everybody does, that funding is the problem and we can't have um, all sorts of facilities when there isn't the funding. And I do think the Dorset Ambassadors is, is a great idea. So let's see, you, you said you've got seven. Are you still looking for more people to come forward as volunteers in Sherborne? T- uh, tell us what you're looking for. That would be great. 
here in Sherborne, the more volunteers we get, the better, because it's a three-hour stint, which is asked for, ten till one or one till four. It's a flexible thing if you can't quite make the three hours, like I didn't quite make today three hours in this heat. It's all fine. I would say you can sign up with the Dorset Volunteer Ambassador if you just look that up online and you can go into the system and apply to be a volunteer for Sherborne and then you, we're doing what we can. The more people who can volunteer, uh, the idea is ideally to go around in pairs. But to be honest, I was happy to go around on, as myself on my own. Um, so I haven't paired up with anyone as of yet. And say we're a friendly bunch and would like to see more people out and about. At the moment, we're doing Thursday, Friday and Saturdays targeting in Sherborne. Wonderful. Thank you very much on behalf of everyone. Uh, I do hope more people volunteer because it makes it easier for everyone, doesn't it? Are you doing it every week at the moment? Yes, so the more people, but then we can actually get um, more of a, more people out there and more coverage throughout the town. But yes, I'm doing a weekly slot at the moment. Um, it's something I wanted to do volunteer work in my mayoral year anyway, and this cropped up and I thought, ideal, I can put myself up for that. It's the more the merrier, as we say, and yes, it would be useful for more people to be signed up to fill some more slots because we haven't got coverage for the days which we are trying to do it on a Thursday, Friday and Saturday. It'd be just lovely to even have just those three days filled with volunteers. There is going to be an online microsite being launched, linked in with the Visit Dorset, which the Town Council has got funding for. We are investing in that to help with the tourist side of things. And it is will be a really good launching of that site in September. Oh, another good initiative. That's great. I shall look forward to, to seeing that in September. Well, I shan't take up any more of your time. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time to talk to me today. It's very good to get some on-the-ground information, as it were, about the Dorset Ambassadors, and I hope you'll get more volunteers coming forward. The Mayor of Sherborne, Anne Hall, there talking to me about volunteering for the Dorset Ambassadors Scheme. And if you would like to volunteer for Sherborne, the website address is www.volunteeringdorset, all one word, volunteeringdorset.org.uk. And when you get to the page, you will see an icon on the left top row, Volunteer Ambassadors, and that will take you through the process of registering. And I can tell you that I'd been thinking about it for a while, but after talking to Anne about the scheme and hearing how many or how few we had for Sherborne, I decided to sign up. So I've registered. I have to provide ID and do a short online training and then I can sign up for some sessions. Now to one or two health related matters. I saw this week an interesting poster, which I will describe to you, based on research from Johns Hopkins University, a well-known, well-respected university in the States. And I thought that I would share this with you, given that we, as of Monday, are not legally obliged to wear masks or socially distance anymore. The research has found that a COVID-19 carrier without a mask has a 70% 
possibility of transmission to a healthy person with a mask. A COVID-19 carrier with a mask has a 5% possibility of transmission to a healthy person without a mask. And a COVID-19 carrier with a mask has a 1.5% possibility of transmission to a healthy person with a mask. So that's a huge drop from a carrier without a mask to a carrier with a mask. And given that lots of people don't know they've got COVID and are in fact carriers, perhaps we should bear that in mind. And certainly we need to respect everybody's decision as to whether they wear masks or not. But we should give some consideration to the fact that masks do provide some substantial protection for other people. I'll put the poster on Sherborne Voices podcast's website and on the Facebook page because I think the poster has quite an impact apart from the statistics. Now, there's going to be a Macmillan Cancer Support and Patient Participation Group Cancer Awareness Presentation next Tuesday, the 27th of July at 4pm. And Roger Marsh from the Patient Participation Group at the Grove Medical Centre sent me in this message about it. Hello, I'm Roger Marsh and I chair the Patient Participation Group at the Grove Medical Centre. I'd like to talk to you today about cancer. It is a fact that during the COVID lockdown, for various reasons, many people were afraid to contact their GP when they were experiencing problems. A survey has shown that at our practice, 15% of our patients surveyed didn't book an appointment during the lockdown because they were worried about the risk of COVID, and a further 22% didn't book an appointment because they didn't want to burden the NHS. Now, unfortunately, some of these patients could have symptoms of the early onset of cancer, which, if not checked, would reduce their chances of survival. There's some important messages here. Anyone can develop cancer, but it's more common as we get older. Don't put something new or different about your body down to getting older. If you notice anything different or unusual for you, see your doctor. Spotting cancer early means treatment is more likely to be successful. The most possible signs of cancer are usually a sign of something less serious, but it's always best to get it checked out by your GP. Now your patient participation group at the Grove Medical Centre has teamed up with the Macmillan Cancer Support to make a free online cancer awareness presentation on Tuesday the 27th of July at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. In this session, we hope you will increase your knowledge about general cancer awareness, know where to get help from cancer-related health and information services, and also be able to identify the key healthcare professionals who care for someone with cancer. The presentation is open to everyone, not just patients of the Grove Medical Centre. So why not come and join us on the 27th of July? It's free and the knowledge gained may save your life one day. For details, see the post on all the local Sherborne Facebook groups or email grove sherborne ppg 
at gmail.com. That's Grove Sherborne PPG, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you. Thanks to Roger Marsh, Chair of the Patient Participation Group at the Grove Medical Centre, for that item. As I sit here sweltering in the heat, I don't like heat at the best of times, but it's a little bit too much at the moment. I think I would be remiss in not reminding you of the need to look after ourselves in this heat. It's a bit unusual for us to have have the weather this hot and for this number of days. I understand with a bit of luck it may start cooling off from tomorrow, but we need to try and keep our temperatures, our body temperatures down in this heat because we can become dehydrated, we can get heat exhaustion and that can have serious consequences. Now I know we like, when we see the sun, we like to either be out in it or to throw open all our windows to get the sunshine and the heat in. At the moment we need to do the opposite. When the sun's shining on any particular part of your house or indeed your office or place of work, if you can, close the blinds, close the curtains. And yes, I know that you will no longer be able to see the sunshine, but it does reduce the temperature in the room substantially. And that's what you want. You need to keep your fluid levels up. Water, milk, tea, coffee, alcohol will dehydrate you much more quickly. So it's best avoided. But I'd like to point you to a very good article that I read just yesterday or the day before. It's on the BBC website, the BBC News website. So if you go to www.bbc.co.uk and look for the article Heat Waves and the Human Body, that will give you some very good advice about keeping cool and why you need to keep cool in this weather. So go and have a drink of water (laughs) and close the curtains and have a read of the article. And it's worth bearing in mind that as we grow older, we gradually lose the ability to recognise that we are dehydrated. By the time you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. So even if you don't feel thirsty in this kind of heat, Just keep sipping some water. I don't think I've mentioned that the boarded up Edinburgh wool mill shop in Cheap Street in Sherborne is finally going to open at the end of July, Saturday the 31st, and it's becoming Sherborne Antiques Market, which will have about 45 dealers of all ages selling the most fantastic of items says the news bulletin so it uh, would be good to support that because that's a big space that needed filling and the organizers say that there are still a few spaces left if there are any dealers who want to trade from this fantastic location indeed so that's Sherborne Antiques Market opening on Cheap Street on Saturday the 31st of July. And there's a phone number if you are a dealer and want to get in touch. It's uh, it's actually on the sign outside the shop. 
07943613355. And don't forget the Mayor's Picnic in the Park get-together for Sherborne residents. It will be this coming Sunday, the 25th of July, between 11 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon in Pageant Gardens. And the Mayor and councillors will be there. There will be entertainment from the town band, juggling and stilt walking, and wood-fired pizzas available from Pizzetta and the Echo Gelato bike. Ooh, yum! will be on hand with delicious ice cream. You can take your own picnic, of course. The second craft fair in the lower atrium at the Exchange in Sturminster Newton is happening this Saturday, the 24th of July, between 9am and 12pm. Free entry. Finally, the Dorset String Quartet are appearing at the music festival at the Grange at Oborn on the 25th of July at 5pm and it's just for an hour you can get tickets by emailing John Valander that's J-O-N-V-A-L-E-N-D-E-R John Valander at gmail.com Now before we go to the interview with Sheila O'Neill about the Feldenkrais method I just want to tell you about Milbourne Port Food Share. At the end of every day, co-op stores have food which is still good to eat, but which is near its use-by or best-before date. The co-op donates this food to the local community. The co-op has food share projects across the country, and Milbourne Port Food Share will collect this food, label and store it in fridges or freezers, according to food safety rules, and make it available the following day. This means that good food is not thrown away, which is good for the environment, and is available to anyone who would like it. No referrals from agencies are needed. The Food Share project will only be able to provide what is donated to us, it says. Typical donations will include bakery items, fruit and vegetables, labelled best before. In addition, there may be pre-prepared fruit, labelled used by, meat, dairy products and eggs. Please bring your own bags. Now, this food will be available on Thursday afternoons between 1.30 and 3pm from Church House, Bathwell Lane in Milbourne Port. So well done to Milbourne Port Food Share and indeed the co-op. Last week I caught up with Sheila O'Neill, who I have known for a number of years now. Sheila is a Feldenkrais teacher and given that I'm trying to introduce a, a, a health item or well-being item in each podcast episode, I thought it would be a good idea for Sheila to tell us about Feldenkrais because not many people know about it. Hello, Sheila. Thanks for joining me on Sherborne Voices podcast. And you're going to talk to us about Feldenkrais. And I think we have to start at the beginning and tell my listeners what Feldenkrais is. So Feldenkrais, this is the question that I should be able to answer really quickly. And it's it's a difficult one to answer because it's 
It's an interesting thing for the Feldenkrais method. Firstly, the name itself is the name after the man who, who developed the work over his lifetime, which was pretty much during the first 80 years of the last century, so not that long ago for some of us. It's a work where when you go to classes, you lie down, you follow verbal instructions, you do easy movements, the sort of movements that people say, oh, I can't believe this is so easy. And then sometimes, of course, it's a little bit more difficult. Instead of just doing the movements mechanically or doing them so that they look good, you do them and you pay attention to what you're doing. So you truly do what we call the classes, which is awareness through movement. And it has a very interesting effect. It sort of fills you out as a person. It enables you to sense how you do what you do. And of course, initially, this is just a movement thing. So how you get up from a chair, how you reach to the high shelf, how you walk along, how you run, how you play a musical instrument. But then there's, there's a kind of spin-off effect with this. If you pay attention in this way, in this slightly artificial way, because it, it's very intense, but of course you're doing that through class, not in an, on an everyday basis. But if you pay attention to your movement a little time like that, then you find that change happens really easily. And we're all looking for some kind of change in our lives, I'm sure. Getting older, we often get into that position where the changes that happen don't please us very much, or even they can limit our lives. And we needn't be as downhearted about this as it seems at first. With the Feldenkrais method, I've seen people go from being very inactive, very unable to move, to lots of good quality movement in their lives, which happens naturally. I've also seen violin players who've got stuck with things, have help that's enabled them to improve their tone, to also improve their stamina to play over long periods of time. Their sitting gets better, the way they support themselves gets better. And I guess most of all with Feldenkrais, it's kind of serious, but it's not really serious. It's something we shouldn't take too seriously. You know, we observe what we do, we do what we do, we do these funny movements, strange movements sometimes. And then we find at the end of the class that we often feel so much better. We, we feel like your joints have been oiled. People who tend to overthink feel like their brain has cleared. And for myself, I, I often felt like it enabled me to continue to be myself even in company where sometimes I get pulled into other people's ways of being. So it's been valuable for me in that way. I can certainly agree with what you've said, Sheila. I uh, used to, for my listeners, I used to go to Sheila's classes in Penzance when I lived there and Sheila lived there. It's amazing how different you feel at the end of it. I used to always quote the, the bit about it being magic. You you move your little finger it seems and you're two inches taller when you stand up it's not like that but it feels like that and it's quite a an exercise for the brain as well would you agree Sheila exercise for the brain that's exactly how Feldenkrais would have talked about it he said I'm looking for flexible minds not flexible bodies it's hard to add it up you lie down you do these small movements 
you get up, you get on with your life. It's hard to add up how it actually changes your thinking, but it clearly does. I think it comes down to the fact that, well, down to a few things. One is that when we were tiny, when we were born, the language we engaged with at that time was not just the verbal language with our, with our mums or the the actual hearing of what was going on around it. It was learning how to move. And we spent a lot of time aimlessly kicking, but then finding that kicking did something or desperately trying to roll over and then finding the way. And that was a whole block of really important foundational moving and learning that sort of, as we get older, we, we get less and less in touch with that. We Some of us do. Some of us stay. Some of us are dancers. Some of us are moving in, in different ways. And we understand the importance of movement in our lives. But for most of us, we only understand its importance when it stops working properly. But actually, it's more than that. It's part of our fundamental selves. What can people expect? What happens when they come to a Feldenkrais class? What to expect in this work? Firstly, it's done in two ways. Well, we have classes. And actually, while we've been going through this pandemic, classes have been a great thing because we can do them very easily on Zoom. And we often start with a movement that doesn't seem like much. For instance, standing and turning or looking up to the sky or reaching up or reaching round. But a movement that kind of gives us the theme of the class. And then we're mostly working, lying down on the floor. Although I have to say I also run a a half-hour Zoom class which is done sitting and standing for people who either haven't got the room or really can't make it to the floor easily. And you do little little bouts of repeated movement. For instance, if we were thinking about turning, you might lie on your side, you might lift your arm up towards the ceiling and then lift it over towards the floor behind you, which is a kind of turn. And then you start to understand how you can bring your head into that turn, your eyes into that turn, what happens with your pelvis. And then you might do something like lifting your head sideways. And and when you come back to the turn, you find that that makes the turning even easier. So a sequence like that. And then at the end of the class, we get up slowly because we've been lying there for quite a while, usually about an hour. And go back to that first movement and if it was turning you would turn and generally speaking most people find that the movement is is better it's sometimes better because it goes further and sometimes it's better because the quality is better it doesn't feel so stiff or it it runs more smoothly and then there's another way of doing Feldenkrais which is one-to-one lessons and these are hands-on and over the pandemic I personally haven't been doing them hands-on classes or lessons, although I am now. And these are particularly good for people who really want an answer to something very specific in their lives. I mean, there's a whole range of people who might benefit. For instance, at the moment, I'm working with a four-year-old boy who has cerebral palsy. Um, At the other end, I have the other end, um, talking of age, I have um, a woman in her early 80s who's recently had a fall, fell in the shower, nothing more than that. But she's kind of needing a bit of help to walk better again. 
you know how easy it is to lose your confidence and and sometimes uh, a few movements getting somebody to move you to really give you the sense of how a place that is stiff and that doesn't move how can it move not by forcing it but by finding the way and then in between there I'm working with a man who has a frozen shoulder and he finds more movement every time and of course you can deal with frozen shoulders by pushing against it and making it very painful but pain is not a part of Feldenkrais work we always work within what's easy and comfortable and that in itself is a huge lesson for many of us many of us only know we're doing something when we're pushing or or trying hard and actually we are at our best when we flow when we can breathe easily and when we have a little room for creativity and for not being too focused on the goal Feldenkrais is useful for all kinds of people when i started in Feldenkrais i'm one of the first generation of teachers and uh, i started practicing in 1990 and at that time there were very few of us but now there are many more of us and one of the things that we find really enjoyable in the Feldenkrais world is the way that this work has has been taken into colleges where they're training people to be musicians but also actors and also dancers it's it's a tricky work for young people sometimes because it requires a little bit of sitting with yourself rather than moving on to the next thing but those people who have found the way to teach it in these colleges they find that the students develop an aspect of themselves that they probably don't have other ways to develop and it all leads to be them being better actors better dancers but there are loads of loads of people who enjoy this work who come from all kinds of different backgrounds for some reason i have a whole load of artists who come regularly and have been coming for years and i think it's something to do with that relationship between the self and the world around us and how do we negotiate that and something about spending time with your own movement and your own sense of what you're doing that helps you to develop your craft as an artist there aren't that many of us in the uk there aren't that many of us feldenkrais teachers but we're growing every year in fact um i help on, on one of the trainings that's happening at the moment and we're expecting another 60 people to qualify in in well it takes 4 years for a training actually um not full time we do 8 weeks a year um but we do have what we call a guild and if you go to the website of this guild you will find all kinds of information and bonus you'll actually find lots of free little 15 minute 25 minute lessons that are recorded and you can download them and do them in your own home and they really give you a very good indication of the kind of work we do you'll probably find there's a lot of recordings there look for the audio library uh you'll probably find that there are some voices you like more than others and there's some people's work you like more than others but many people find that there are a few lessons that they can come back to when times are hard whether physically or, or for whatever reason 
So I'll give you the address of the Feldenkrais Guild. It's www.feldenkrais, I'll spell that because it's such a weird word, F for Freddy, E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S dot co dot UK. And there you will find all the teachers. You'll be able to find if there's a teacher near you. And you'll also find some listings of classes, as well as the audio recordings, which are a great free resource. Of course, when you go to a teacher, you won't get it for free. We do have to make a living. But you'll find that most teachers are really enthusiastic and really interested in the work they're doing and will always find a way to enable you to get on board if you're interested. That's very helpful, Sheila, all that information. And I I knew about the recordings, so I'm glad you you mentioned those. Just hearing you talk about Feldenkrais has made me think I really need to get back into this. You mentioned Zoom classes, Sheila. Can you tell us about those and if you're planning to continue doing Zoom classes? Yes. Well, kind of the bane of our lives, haven't they been, for the last year? But actually uh, a great resource for those of us who don't want to risk going out too much. Feldenkrais is absolutely made for Zoom. In in his lifetime, Moshe Feldenkrais had this dream of having classes sent out over Telstar. And I know that there there was a, a man who taught in Austria in Oh, in the 50s and 60s, he used to give Feldenkrais lessons over the radio. So we have a long, long history of doing it this way. I myself, at the moment, I'm teaching uh, three one-hour classes a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays and one half-hour class for people who haven't quite got the time or don't want to lie down on the floor. They can work sitting or standing. And I'll be doing those up until the end almost the end of July, and then I'm having a break until October, and then I'll be continuing with, certainly with, a good two or three Zoom classes. I mean, one of the joys for me is that people who are in Edinburgh, who are in Switzerland, I had somebody from America, as well as, of course, all the people who who come who are local. For many of them, Zoom classes are the answer. And you can do all the booking online on my site, my site is called nicefeldenkrais.co.uk. So Zoom classes are really easy. I give verbal instructions. You lie down, you do, you do what you can. Uh, the tricky part is always that you have to work within what's easy for you and what's comfortable for you. I can't tell you the number of times that I've seen people trying to do something when they can't breathe, when they're worrying about pain, when they're fearful. And that is not learning. That's learning something else. So I try and watch you like a hawk when I'm doing a Zoom class. Uh, But obviously I don't see you as clearly as I see you when I'm in the room with you. You can, of course, find other Feldenkrais classes. Um, If you go to the Guild site, you'll find those. A lot of people are not working through August. Um, I, I actually work on the training through August and then I have a bit of time off in September. And the other thing that you might be interested to hear about is something I developed myself over, uh, I've been doing this for over 20 years now. I run week-long classes for people who really want a good immersion. And I have people who come every year and it's like, it's their one week top up of 
how to move, how to get back inside themselves, how to do things better, more efficiently. And this year, even this year, I'm managing to do two of those. One is on Dartmoor at the end of August, and I call that Walking on Air. And the other one is in St Ives at the end of September, and I call that one Take a Breath. And the first one is is focused on the movements of walking, and the second one is focused on breathing. It doesn't mean we're doing breathing lessons for three hours a day, but it does mean that we do breathing lessons plus things which enable our breath to be more fluid and easier. One of the things that we always forget when we think about fitness is that if you improve your airflow, then your fit- fitness goes up really easily. So take a breath is a good one for that. Well, if anybody's interested in any of those, please get in touch with me. Thank you very much for that, Sheila. Sheila O'Neill, who is based in Bath, but as you heard, she does classes, week-long classes in various places, and she does Zoom classes. It's a very interesting work, as Sheila said, and if you have any interest in it at all from having heard Sheila talk, I would certainly recommend trying it out using those audio recordings that she mentioned from the Feldenkrais Guild. And then if you take to it, you can join a class in the autumn. I'll certainly be looking at following the Zoom classes once we get to the autumn. That's it for today. Thank you very much for joining me on Sherborne Voices podcast. My name's Sue Hill, and I will be here again next week to bring you another episode of information, events, newsworthy items for people living and or working in Sherborne. And if you have any items you would like me to mention, then do get in touch with me. You can email sue at sherbornevoicespodcast.com. Until next week, stay safe and be nice to each other.